Hi everyone and welcome to the Persistent Pain Podcast. My name is Shane, I'm your host, I'm a physiotherapist by trade and I hope with this podcast to reach as many people as possible with persistent pain, helping them overcome it and get back to doing the things that they love the most. So I'm a physiotherapist by trade, uh, that's my full-time job. I treat probably about 50-60 clients a week in a private clinic uh, and the majority of those are suffering from persistent pain, usually persistent back pain. And these are people who maybe have had pain for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, some of them. And I've learned over the last probably 6 or 7 years of doing this that a lot of people with persistent pain, they share the same struggles, the same frustrations and they all have the same or similar questions. And I hope with this podcast to hopefully clarify some of the answers to those questions because I know it can be kind of a, a murky world out there in terms of the internet and Google, you know, conflicting advice coming from different places. Uh, so I hope to just kind of consolidate some information and help as many people with persistent pain uh, as I can to overcome their pain and get back to doing the things they love the most. So for the first episode, I wanted to cover five things that I think you should know about persistent pain. Now this is particularly important obviously if you're suffering from persistent pain yourself or if you know you're caring for a loved one who suffers persistent pain or if it's your profession that, that you work with people with persistent pain, whatever attracted you to this podcast, these are five things that I think anybody who's around persistent pain should know. So I'm just going to run through the five headings first and then I'll delve in deeper on each individual one. So the first one is pain always has a purpose. The second one is everybody's pain is different. The third one is there is light at the end of the tunnel, but you need a plan. The fourth one is you're not on your own. And the fifth one is it's not all in your head. Okay, so going back to number one, pain always has a purpose. So it's important to understand um, about pain is that it's, it's, it's protective by nature. And it's inherently a good thing. So there is a rare group of conditions out there uh, and there's people that suffer those conditions can't feel pain. So, you know, they don't have any pain response. Now, if you're in persistent pain, that might sound like absolute heaven. But actually, these people end up dying very young and they have a lot of health problems because they don't know when to stop. Okay, so pain's unpleasant, but it's protective. And it's our body's response to a perceived threat. Now, if you've, ever, if you've ever put your hand near something sharp or put your hand near something really, really hot and pulled your hand away really quickly, you'll have experienced the protective power of pain. So that your, your, your receptors in your skin picked up the, the, the texture of the object or picked up, picked up the heat off the hot object before any tissue damage and you, you reflexively pulled your hands away before you injured yourself. And that's when pain works at its best, okay? So it's important to reframe that pain in your head, okay? So it's not a, a bad thing, it's a good thing in some situations. Now obviously if you've got persistent pain, that's not a good thing. And what happens in persistent pain is it's a bit of an overreaction. Now the best analogy I've ever heard to try and understand this is it's a bit like a car alarm going off in an almost empty car park. So nobody's robbed the car, nobody's touched the car, maybe, you know, a firework went off in the distance or, or maybe, you know, something happened, there was a bang somewhere, there's a really sensitive sensor on the car that's got triggered and there's a really violent reaction, okay? So nobody actually touched the car, but something triggered that sensor and now there's a really violent alarm going off. And persistent pain can be a little bit like that. So, and you'll know yourself if you suffer from persistent pain that it usually has flare-ups of the most, most innocuous of things. So usually with, you know, bending over to pick a sock up off the floor or, you know, picking up a, a book or something like that. So the reaction 
is not um it, it doesn't fit the the stressor you know bending over to pick your sock up you shouldn't get flare back pain from that so the way pain works and this is important to understand is all the time when you're moving or, or when you've got an intention to do a movement or even if you're just sitting down your brain is constantly evaluating all the information available to it so that's the information coming up from all your nerves the information coming from all your senses your environment etc and your brain's processing all that information in a split second. And obviously you're not aware of that happening. It's all subconscious. Now your subconscious brain's primary job is to keep you breathing and keep you alive. And because of that, it's very, you know, it's got, it's got a survival instinct. It's always on the lookout for potential dangers. And the only thing it has to go against is previous experiences. So what it already knows is what it's learned before. Now that's heavily influenced by things like previous injuries, you know, pain you've had before, previous experiences, as well as your thoughts, your beliefs, your emotions, your fears, all of that stuff it comes into play. Now, to kind of put that into context, if you've, let's say you've got back pain and you've had back pain for 10 years and your back pain tends to go when you're bending over to pick something up. Now, every single time you go to pick something up, your brain's processing that movement and when it's processing that movement, obviously it's it's perceived as a very scary movement because there's a lot of history there where your back has been injured doing that movement. And you'll know yourself if you've had back pain before, you tend to be very careful. So even when you're absolutely fine, you know, I can't do that because of my back or, you know, I, I, need to, I can't pick those things up because of my back. And that's all, you know, learned behavior in response to the pain. But all it takes then one day is for something to happen quickly when you're not thinking about it, or perhaps you're a bit more tired that day, a little bit more stressed. Your body goes into that position when you're bending to pick something up, your brain overreacts and you've got a massive then flare-up. Okay, so I'm going to expand on that in another podcast episode, so I don't want to spend too much time on this topic. But I just want to really help you reframe the pain in your head. So if you've got persistent pain, it's there for a reason. There's probably no damage. But your body is overprotective of, you know, your back or your neck or, or wherever your persistent pain is. Okay, so I hope that kind of makes sense. And I want to just put a little bit of, there's, there's, there's positives to that, you know. So the positive to that is it, it's fixable if we can get to the root cause of what your body is trying to protect. And I'm going to expand on that a little bit further. So that brings me on to point two. And point two is that everybody's pain is different. So everybody's unique. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. You know, and on the, the flip side of that, you know, if somebody's, if you know somebody who's had a really successful result with somebody, it's not necessarily going to work the same way for you. Okay, so, and to kind of to reassure you a little bit, if you've had, you know, a friend, let's say that's had acupuncture or took certain painkillers or did a certain type of exercise and they said that did absolute wonders for their back or had a massage, for example, and you tried it and it didn't work for you don't panic it doesn't mean you're not fixable it doesn't mean you're beyond hope it doesn't even mean your pain's any worse than theirs was it just means that whatever that stimulus was wasn't the kind of stimulus that you need at this time so like we said before pain is is heavily influenced by previous experiences so that can be injuries you've had before emotional events all these these kind of things can play into it as well and everybody's story is different so to get to the bottom of your pain, and if you've ever gone to see a doctor or a therapist or a chiropractor or whatever, a good uh, professional should have helped you with this. So looking into your history, we should look at your full story. So starting from birth to now, what has your body been through? So that could be injuries, it could be surgeries, it could be investigations, it could be emotional events, it could be lifestyle changes, change in job, change in you know, uh, exercise, etc. 
And if you can plot that down in chronological order from like birth to now, you can get a lot of valuable information out of that. And I actually do this with my clients every single day. And it's even somebody who's got a really complex history and there's a lot of of history there, there's a lot of injuries in the past. And you know, when when you're saying it all out loud, it's kind of like, whoa, there's a lot going on here. But when you actually plot it out on the board, it starts to make sense. And I'm I'm just making this example up off the top of my head, but it's going to be something like, let's say it started with a left ankle injury when they were 18, you know, bad ankle sprain. Then maybe 18 months later, they started with knee problems on the same side. Then probably to offload those knee problems on the left side, they start over favoring the right side. Now they started with a right hip issue. Then maybe five years later, they're lifting furniture and they're, they're the right side of the back goes. Then maybe five years later, the rest of the back goes, you know, and, and when you start to piece all this together, it starts to actually make sense. And then we need to unravel all of that information and we need to do an assessment, find out what changes those events have made in the body. So we need to assess now the left ankle, we need to assess the left knee. And what happens in response to pain is the body changes, it adapts. So we're really good problem solvers as humans. When we're exposed to a potential danger or a potential stressor, our bodies adapt and they find the way around it. But over time, if you've had a number of things happen, obviously that can put stress in other areas. So what we need to do as therapists if we're trying to help you with with your pain, or what you need to do yourself, is figure out the things that have happened, figure out how they've had an effect on your body, and then start to address all of those foundational issues. And it's a bit like the tip of the iceberg, and the tip of the iceberg is the pain, but actually, a lot of the issues that are are contributing to that pain are actually under the water. So the pain's a small bit of it, but there's a lot of other issues underneath the water and the iceberg, and and there's levels of dysfunction, let's say, that are contributing to that pain experience. And and the more levels we can sort out or, or improve, obviously the the better chance we have at at solving that pain okay so that's a simplified explanation obviously but uh, i hope that kind of makes sense so point number two everybody's pain is different the key thing with that is if if you've tried somebody or if you've been recommended something by somebody else that worked wonders for them and it hasn't worked for you it doesn't mean that you're beyond help okay so it just means that that thing didn't work for you but something else will work for you we just need to get to the bottom of what's driving your pain to figure out how we can do that So that brings me on to point three nicely, which is there's light at the end of the tunnel, but, and the but's really important here, you need a plan, okay? So if you're just kind of going through life, like most people with persistent pain do, so like people with persistent pain, and you probably relate to this yourself, they're very, very resilient, you know, and they're suffering a lot, but they're still just cracking on, a lot of them are still working until eventually the pain just completely stops them, you know, they're still looking after the kids, the grandkids, and they're doing their absolute best just to get through life. But there's no real plan of how we're going to get over this pain, okay? Now, what I do with my clients is we sit down and we start at the end goal. So ideal outcome, best case scenario, if we could get rid of your pain, what do you really want to be able to do? Okay, so that's our end point. Then we have our start point, which is where we are now. And then we just need to reverse engineer what we need to do to get there. Okay, now an obvious example, again, a really simple example just for the sake of the podcast so you can understand what I'm talking about here. Let's say somebody's got a persistent back pain for 10 years, they want to get back running. Okay, now that's just an example. So if somebody wants to get back running, we need to plot what they need to be able to do. So if we want to get them back running, before they can run, they need to be able to tolerate the impact of running, obviously. We can use drills like hopping drills in the clinic to make sure they can handle impact before we send them out running. Now, before they can do any hopping drills, we need to make sure they can even hop without getting pain. Before they can hop, surely they need to be able to lunge. Before they can lunge, probably they need to be able to do like a glute bridge on the bed. Before they can do a glute bridge on the bed, they probably need good strength in the leg. 
before they have good strength in the leg, they probably need good movement in the leg. And before they have good movement in the leg, we probably need to get their pain under control first. Okay, so then we've got a start point where they're in a lot of pain. Now we need to get a plan of, okay, how are we going to get the pain under control? How are we going to get to the point that you can get some strength back in the leg? How are we going to get you up to the glute bridge, etc. until we get to the end goal? And the way we figure out the individual things that we need to do and how to do them is our assessment. And that's where we need to kind of spend a little bit of time face-to-face with people, look at their movement and, and help them with that. The key then is just graded exposure. So graded exposure just means gradually building up your tolerance to doing things before doing too much. And the biggest mistake I see with people with persistent pain, and it's not by no fault of their own, and they're normally lacking a lot of guidance, is the pain settles down. So again, maybe they take a hot bath, put a bit of heat on it, or take some strong painkillers, and the pain actually settles down. But they try and jump from pain being bearable to trying to do activity too quickly and do too much activity too quickly. And what we need is we need the right steps to give the the body the tolerance to moving, the tolerance to speed, the tolerance to loads, to change in direction, all those kind of different variables before we're able to go back doing certain activities. Okay? Now, if you've been around the houses, you've tried the NHS, you've tried, you know, public health care, you've tried private health care, you've gone to chiropractors, doctors, and I know a lot of people with persistent pain who've done everything. It doesn't mean that you're you're not fixable if, if they haven't been successful for you. And like I treat people on a daily basis, our clinic's got a really good reputation with persistent pain. And we've seen a lot of people that have been around the houses, they've tried everything else, they've come to us as a last resort, but they've been able to get the result they wanted. Now, it's it's not not easy, it's hard work, you know, they've done most of the work, we're just kind of guiding them what they need to be able to do. So I'm not saying it's easy to get rid of persistent pain, but if we can really figure out the, the root cause and we can get a real good plan together, it's definitely possible to, to drastically improve, if not completely resolve, most cases of persistent pain. Now, obviously, if you've had, you know, dozens of surgeries, if you've had, you know, laparoscopies and all this kind of stuff, maybe you might always have a little bit of discomfort. But most, 99.9% of cases of persistent pain, in my opinion, are fixable with hard work and the right plan. Okay? So that's number three. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but you need a plan. So if you feel like you're kind of bumbling around on your own without a plan, make sure you get some help in terms of being able to make a plan. Okay? Which brings me on to, to point four. You're not on your own. Now, the reason I put this one in is because, in my experience, a lot of people who suffer from persistent pain, they're quite isolated, maybe feel a little bit depressed. You know, it, it's quite a it's quite a depressing thing, really, because so people with persistent pain, they're still going out with their family, still going out with their friends, but they're the ones that have to sit out of things. So, you know, bringing the grandkids to the park, they're the ones that have to sit on the edge and can't take part in, in going on the slides and, and those kind of things, or obviously not going on themselves, but helping their grandkids, lifting their grandkids. They need to step back from those kind of things. Or also even just general things like going out for walks with the family. People with persistent pain are the ones that have to either, you know, get a wheelchair or maybe sit at home because they can't tolerate that distance of walking. So it can be quite depressing. It can be quite isolating not being able to do the things that most people do socially because you're in a lot of pain. So if you feel isolated and you feel like you're you're the only person suffering with this, I want to really reassure you that persistent pain is so common. Now, it mightn't be common in your circle of friends, but, you know, obviously as a physio, this is what I see every day. And, and you know, that there's hundreds and thousands of people suffering from persistent pain. If you do feel isolated, what I definitely suggest is you get onto Facebook, type in whatever you, if you know you have a, a certain condition like fibromyalgia or, you know, uh, 
back pain or whatever it is, type in back pain support group. And I bet you even if you typed in your locality, so, you know, I live in Huddersfield in, in Yorkshire, if you type in back, back, back pain Huddersfield, you'll probably find support groups. Okay, and join those groups because what those groups are going to give you is a community of people that are going through the same journey that you are and you'll share their, their successes, you'll share their frustrations and at least then you won't feel like you're on your own. Now, as part of this podcast, I've actually set up a support group which I'm hoping to create a community of people in persistent pain so that we can help each other and hopefully I can help you to, to help you overcome your persistent pain. So if you go on to Facebook and type in facebook.com forward slash persistent, no sorry, forward slash groups forward slash persistent pain so that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash persistent pain you'll be able to join the group that i've made so it's just newly made there's, there's nobody in it yet so you can be one of the first to join um there'll be a lot of free information in there i'll be answering a lot of questions in there doing some live q a's um so make sure you join that group but these support groups can really really help you if you're in persistent pain and if, if you do feel depressed and isolated because at least then you're not going through that journey on your own so i think that's really important um and i, I really wanted to include it on today's podcast so make sure you know if you're in persistent pain, you're not on your own. It's very common. You just need to seek out people who are suffering going through a similar situation from you. And I mean, what I mean by that is there's a lot of people that you'll see as well who have very good success stories. So I'm not just saying sharing the gloom and doom with other people, but you'll see what other people have tried and things that work for them. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do what they did, but you know it's going to be reassuring. You'll see people who've had pain for 10 years, had pain for 15 years and overcame it, which will give you hope and it'll motivate you that you can do the same. Okay, now the last one I wanted to put in, I want to save this for last because I think it's a very, very good and important point is persistent pain or chronic pain is not all in your head. So I think where this has come from is, you know, modern pain science, which is very, very good, by the way, and the pain science research out there, you know, I love it. It's brilliant. Um, and there's some really, really good guys that are put and, and girls who are putting in a lot of, of research into pain at the moment. Now, what the research is showing is that pain is always an output from the brain. I think that's where the, the pain is all in your head has come from. But that doesn't mean that, that it's, you know, it, it's not real. The pain is very real. And all pain is an output from the brain. Okay, so if I break my leg, the pain doesn't come from me breaking my leg. Okay, so it doesn't come from the leg break exactly. What happens is it, it my brain interprets the leg break, interprets it as a potential danger, and creates pain to protect me. So all the nerves around the leg break are stimulated. They're sending information up to my brain. My brain's processing. And if you remember what we said earlier on, it's comparing it to previous experiences when there was no leg break, leg break there. So there's something very different there. There's a bit of a mismatch. I'm going to get pain to protect me and stop me from loading that leg and protect it. Now, where we can see this in action is, you know, in, in times of high stress. So in, in, you know, sports situations, elite athletes, or, you know, in war, you hear these stories of people who have really bad injuries, like breaking legs, even having like legs blown off and stuff like that, and actually not feeling anything at the time because adrenaline's kicking in and all that kind of stuff. And it's only afterwards when their nervous system has a chance to settle down and that survival kind of fight or flight instinct settles down, then we start to feel the pain. Okay. And that's why everybody's pain is interpreted slightly different as well. So in persistent pain, like I said, it's that car alarm going off in an empty car park. So it's just like that system has become hypersensitized, hypersensitized and it doesn't take half as much stimulus to, to have that pain response. Again, I love my analogies and another analogy I heard to help understand that is if you imagine that your, your brain is a guard in a warehouse and its job is to press the pain alarm anytime that warehouse is getting robbed. Now, 
If you hear a noise outside and that warehouse has never been robbed before, you're probably not going to press the alarm. You're probably maybe going to go have a look outside and see what's happening, okay? And that's, you know, general people who haven't got persistent pain. But if you've got persistent pain, it's like that warehouse gets robbed five or six times every week. So if you hear a noise outside, the first thing you're going to do is slam down on the alarm. And, you know, that's the same with persistent pain. It, it, the, the more you get it, the longer it goes on, the more sensitized it becomes. So it's like a vicious cycle. And then the body becomes even more prone to triggering that pain response. Okay, so the pain response is very real. It is an output from the brain, which is, again, that's a, a good thing because it means it, it doesn't need to be damaged. If you're feeling really acute, like really sharp, sore pain, it doesn't mean you've got any tissue damage. Okay, maybe you do, but usually you don't. Usually, it's just that pain response gone haywire. So, I've, I know I've thrown a lot of information at you there. I hope it kind of makes a bit, a bit of sense. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been valuable. Um, if you want me to expand on anything further, or if you have any questions, again, join that Facebook group and re reach out to me there. That's the best place to reach me. So, again, that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash persistent pain. Um, I'll put it in the podcast notes if you want to join the link. Um, and that's where you can ask me any questions on the podcast or if there's any specific topics you'd like me to cover as well you'll be able to, to post in there and, and, and suggest some topics um, so this has been the first episode I hope you enjoyed it again any feedback throw it up into that group make sure you subscribe if you found it valuable uh, and make sure you tune in next week where we're going to cover some more topics to do with persistent pain